You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in it for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And also, if you'd like to text the show, you can send a text message to 865-658-5824. Again, that is 865-658-5824. Man, it's a special episode here for those of you listening on the pod on Sunday or Monday. Um, we are obviously doing this live on YouTube and Twitter with a a guy that I look up to so much, um, Mr. Dusty Evely. He is the one that I have dubbed the Greg Cosell of Packer fans. Um, if you guys <laughs> want to check out the X's and O's of what's going on on Sundays with the Green Bay Packers, this is the guy to go to. And, Dusty, I know you don't uh, take compliments well. You're probably feeling like, shut up, stop talking about I me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say, man, that the thing that I appreciate the most about the content you put out is there's no bias. It's strictly what is the tape showing and that's why I always draw that parallel with you and Greg Cosell, a man who's done it for so long, because it is hard to remove those personal bias and actually look and go, you know what? This is what this isn't maybe what I wanted to happen, but this is what really happened. Right. <laughs> so um, I really appreciate that. But um, yeah, man, how you been doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I know yeah, for my part, I think I've been I've been doing this for a while and that was uh, self uh, maintaining my own sanity at a certain point, I think like. I can't, I can't keep backing up something that I can see is not necessarily true or something like that. And also, I mean, the whole, I'm reading this for, I'm curious, man. I just want to know how football works. I don't care if something worked or didn't work. I'm curious how this stuff works. So I do appreciate that. Um, But yeah, I'm doing good, you know, for a guy uh, that I don't really cover the draft that much. um, This type of year is always, is always weird. So I'm kind of trying to set up to say, okay, what do I, what do I want to write about kind of gathering, looking through a ton of Excel data from this past year and kind of planning out next steps what do i want to what do i want to cover in the off season and what do i want to do and so right now i've got a thousand different projects uh going on and eventually i'll whittle it down to something and actually write about it but uh yeah man doing good it's a uh, you know off season even with the draft man it's long and full of horrors and i'm just trying to manage that as best as i can right now <laughs> yeah, absolutely hey success is a planned event and if you uh if you're not game planning if you don't have a plan you you do have a plan you just don't realize you're planning to fail and that's just mm-hmm. the way it is but uh love it man love it well let's get this thing started off right man um i know tonight it's late we usually don't record a pot at 9:30 at least i don't i'm an old man dusty i'm in the bed early <laughs> i'm the guy i enjoy the sun rises not the sunsets personally sure. but uh i'm over here sipping on some uh some jonesboro tennessee special tennessee hills distillery it's called se callahan's bourbon whiskey nice, what are you sipping nice. on tonight brother Man, special occasion, dude. I, I got a bottle of uh, Weller Special Reserve, so I busted that out. This was this used to be. There you go. Just my go-to. Um, used to be a 
get this for 20 bucks in a plastic bottle uh, yeah. 10 years ago. It was my go-to. And then everyone found out about it. And uh, it's really hard to find a bottle. So it was a secure bottle gotcha. a little while ago for not, for not too much. And so I'm drinking, drinking some of the good stuff tonight. Gotcha. Man, it's funny. I think I think S.C. Callahan's heard your plug for that whiskey because your audio cut out a little bit. They were like, no, we can't have this advertising <laughs> over ours. But uh, I don't know. It got a little bit grainy, so you might want to unplug, plug back in here in a second, which is totally cool. But, um, yeah, so what I was kind of thinking here tonight, man, um, there's been a whole lot of talk this year, Dusty. Like, I mean, a whole lot of talk on scheme and all kinds of things. And I, what I've done, guys, for those of you listening on the pod, I came up with three questions, and we're probably going to go off cuff right off the bat, I'm sure. I always do. I know everybody, it's amazing. I come up with an outline. I was talking to Dusty uh, about this uh, offline here. It don't matter what the outline is. I always end up off of it somehow, some way. But let's start with this first question I sent you, man. You know, based off of what you've watched in terms of, of Jordan Love's uh, you know, tape, right? The game tape. And and granted, we've got a very limited amount. Um, it's amazing to me, Dusty, how many people have already dubbed him the next Hall of Fame quarterback, but there's also just as many people saying he's a bust. I'm like, I don't know where you've got the film from to watch that much to come to that term, yeah. that, you know, that, that end result there. But what's your early assessment of what you've seen on Jordan Love? I know you did a little bit of a breakdown here recently. You know, just maybe a few points that really come to mind when you talk about Jordan Love's tape so far. Yeah, I mean, really, and one of the things I know for me that's been really important to keep in mind is, is where he came from versus where he is now, um, which is where he came from was Utah State, which was, I mean, if you watch any of that tape, it's like super spready of super spread. Hey, Dusty, I hate to cut you off, man, but that uh, that feed is real bad. So let's do this. Let's let's reconnect with you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to – your internet looks fine. I'm going to yeah. – uh, I'm going to remove you, and you just jump back in with the same link if you don't care. Let's do it, man. All right, appreciate it, pal. Sorry about that, guys. Listen to the pod. We uh, we'll get back to him in just a second. I'm really eager to hear what it is he's got to say um, as far as the uh, the tape of Jordan Love. Hopefully, we can get that connection issue figured out. It's funny. It's it's got to be on my end, like I always say here in Tennessee, Redneckville, USA. The extension cord going down the holler just may not be powerful enough to get this thing uh, up and running the proper proper way. But we're going to see if we can make it work here. Let's try it now, Dusty. All right, man. How we doing? How we looking? So oh, better? Great. oh, it's crystal clear. So awesome. Let's, yeah, just let's, pick right back up where you left off with the Jordan Love about, <laughs> you know, what you've seen uh, on tape there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think with uh, they would love this is kind of where I'm starting was it's it's important to know kind of where we started versus where we are now, because where we started was was Utah State, which is super spread stuff. I mean, if you watch uh, his tape, which I went through junior and senior year, uh, you know, as much as I could, it's shotgun, 11 personnel. They, they run four verts, 60 percent of the time and they supplement that with like mesh and white cross like it's the most air rainy spread of air rainy spread stuff uh and, and so that's that's where he came from if you watch any of that stuff I, i've talked to someone else about this they run four verts with with trips to uh to the boundary side mm-hmm. which is just like in college those hashes are so far apart this spacing is all just screwed up so way different from anything i mean nfl is running you got teams running some of that stuff yeah so you look at some of his and kind of what he does what how operated that stuff like he, he had some issues um you know junior senior i know that the turnover stuff the interception stuff really comes up but his issues in college were a lot of times he would, he would kind of stare down his first read uh and he, he wouldn't necessarily not that he wouldn't necessarily move off of that but he he would almost lock on in a way where um at times not all the time but at times he would not see a backside linebacker backside safety coming in so a lot of those interceptions are just i mean those aren't even decision stuff that's just he didn't survey the backside of the field, maybe waited to take too long to throw it. 
So you had some of that stuff on the tape, and the other big knock on him in college was was the, the accuracy stuff. So I say that this is way longer than probably it should be. The reason I say that is because based on what we have now, we don't know if that's still an issue. The accuracy stuff we saw, I know in KC, you know, the Eagles, he didn't do too much. But I think that stuff's always going to flash a little bit. Some throws of the flat, you know, dirt or throw over the head, which, you know, a lot of quarterbacks do that. It's not like that's a fatal flaw or anything. But uh, we don't know if that's an issue, but that was an issue in college. It's something to keep an eye on. But, but the thing I will say is based on where he was the first time we saw him in the pros versus where we see him now versus against the Eagles, which, again, like I said, we don't have a lot of tape to look at. And so I go on the Eagles game a lot just because they're running – not too many concepts. They're running concepts. They ran probably four or five different concepts in that game. I think he had nine dropbacks in that game. And so like he, he had that, and he showed an ability to move off of things that weren't there. So the footwork was way cleaner. Footwork's tied to the concept. Uh, it was very, very, very clean. If the first read wasn't there, he was able, he knew where he went through there. Some of those he'd go through, you know, three, four reads, and then get to the guy who was there. So there's there's an understanding of the offense. I think that's there now that wasn't there before. And like I said, the foot works way cleaner. The footwork's tied up. He hits that back back step hitch. If it's not there, he knows the bounce. He had, you know, a three-step drop uh, that that was not there on the drop back and continues to the five-step drop up and moves his feet during the drop back and gets ready to step for the backside throw. Like that's stuff we weren't seeing early. And so I think the progression is there. The ball comes out crisp. So I think I mean someone was asking me this and my my real answer is I don't know because we haven't seen enough. But I think based on what we've seen Based on what we know of him, he seems like a hard worker. He seems like a guy who's going to push to get better. We know he has natural ability. He's got the arm, but I think sometimes his arm, I don't know, he's got the deep arm. He has the intermediate arm, but there's sometimes those throws that the sideline don't come out quite as sharp as I would like. There's a little bit more of a kind of a loop to him mm-hmm. that you would think for a guy with his ability. So there's some of that I'd like to see get cleaned up, I think. But based on what we've seen, again, I think tremendous growth in three years. Will he be a great quarterback? I don't know. I'm currently I'm currently of the mind. I think at the very very least he is going to be uh, a solid solid quarterback. Um, I, I think he's you know, I, good. Picked him between like eight to thirteen, competent. He's going to be competent. Gotcha. My audio's my, my audio's all screwed. Well, yeah, we're it's 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 getting back garbled again. Is I like the word there. I don't even know what that means, but I think that's a good description of what it is it may it could be the earbud i don't know dusty but if that's the only option we got we'll try to muscle through it it, it is coming through pretty grainy though and it's it's not your internet we're showing great connection so yeah my mic's typically good here's what we'll do i'll, I'll drop out again cut me again i'm gonna unplug my mic plug it back in i'll join back up i'm sorry dude we'll, cool. no we'll, it's totally we'll try cool. that and see what happens yeah thanks appreciate it buddy all right, yeah, so appreciate everybody in the chat letting us know that uh, there was still an issue there. Um, you know, everything that he said, you know, talking about coming from, uh, you know, the offensive scheme there in Utah and then working yourself into a pro-style uh, scheme. And, and you know, with with what Matt LaFleur does and, and at least, you know, what everyone uh, within his coaching tree has done, right, um, you know, from Shanahan to McVay all the way down the line, um, you really haven't ever had this spread effect. You know, it's it's always that wide zone boot. It's, uh, you know, a lot of strike concepts. There's a, there's a lot of different things they use, but it's very, very centralized around playing uh, that boot action off of that wide zone run. Now, you've seen everything this year, and we've talked about on this podcast over and over and over. You've seen a lot of duo. You've seen a lot of power. You've seen, uh, you know, zone, inside zone. You see the wide zone. You've seen pretty much everything across the board as far as the running game goes. And, you know, that is somewhat – of a uh, an issue that you've got to kind of get used to when you're coming into a pro style offense, um, especially Dusty. I was just talking about you know kind of 
kind of the difference and everything you were touching on from what we can make out there, you know, coming from Utah and, and stepping into the Green Bay Packers. And obviously with, um, you know, with the uh, – it's funny – no one, I don't think no one truly has a grab on exactly this scheme and what Matt LaFleur wants to do because it always gets jumbled into Aaron Rodgers isn't running his offense, right? Or it's <laughs> it's supposed to look like Kyle Shanahan. But, you know, when I look at the tape, I see a lot of other similarities with McVay's system rather than Shanahan. So that doesn't necessarily mean Aaron's saying, no, I refuse to run your system. I think that's just can sometimes be an easy argument in, a, in kind of a toxic situation yeah. for people who do or don't like Aaron Rodgers, but we're going to try to give this a shot again here. Um, on the backside of what you said, you know, you were talking about one thing specifically that caught my attention. You were talking about drops, right? You know, drop mm-hmm. backs, three-step drop, five-step drop. What do you think is his strength from what you've seen on the tape, um, you know, that that you say, you know what, here's here, – 90% of the time the coaching staff, what they're trying to do is identify the talent they have, right, and what their team does good, what their roster does well, and put them in a position to succeed. It's something that Belichick has done really, really good over the years, obviously with the success he's had, and great coaches throughout the past have kind of approached it that way. What would you expect them to want to do with Jordan Love? I mean, whether it's throwing on the run from what you've seen in college or if it's a three-step or a five-step, what what do you expect them to do to really, really benefit him moving forward if, indeed, this is the year he takes over? I think they're going to lean into play action more. I think I think uh, that's something Rodgers doesn't necessarily like. He certainly doesn't like it from under center. So I think more play more play action. I honestly think they're going to want to operate him from the pocket more often than not. I think you know move the pocket a little, obviously, but I don't think a whole bunch of designed rollouts are not going to look to run him. I think they're just going to that because I, I, where I think where he can operate based on what we've seen, I think he can work well from the pocket and he's used use as athleticism to uh, to extend plays a little as he needs to. But I don't think they're going to to like well, let's make this let's boot this guy like seventy five percent of the time. I, I don't he could do it, but I think it's they're going to try to operate him from the pocket as much as humanly possible. Yeah, and the big thing, too, is what I'm eager to see happen. Um, first of all, we haven't even talked about Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure we'll get to it sooner or later. But what I'm eager to see is how much of the RPO stays or goes. Because correct me if I'm wrong, when I was watching the tape last year, it seemed like early in the season, you know, the first couple of games, two or three games, it was RPO central, especially in the red zone. Had some success. They, you know, they, they came out the gate and they started fairly strong, I felt like, last season. And then when they hit that that slump, it really seemed like teams caught on to that RPO pass, right? Um, do you do you did you see it the same way, or was I just kind of seeing ghosts out there myself? No, I mean I think the the percentages. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, that is something I was going to write about RPO. So I had those numbers, and now I've forgotten those numbers, Clayton. Um, <laughs> there was there was a lot. I mean, it certainly because I I tracked those week to week. I wrote about those. Um, there was a period when they, those were not going well, but a lot of times what wasn't going well was the run was working not well and the pass was fine, but there was, I mean, not to get too into it. No, please could, get too into it, man. That's what you we're could, here for. <laughs> you could bait, like I said, you can bait them into doing that stuff because most of their stuff, their RPO game is not vertical. Their, their RPO game is to- totally horizontal. Mm-hmm. Most of it's bubbles. 60% of their RPO game is based on bubbles, based on a pre-snap read. So if we've got two blockers out front, we got our two wide receivers out front, and then we've got one guy that we usually kind of motion behind. If you don't motion somewhere out, someone out there, and you kind of you've got that guy in the bubble, and you've got two defenders over the two wide receivers, and you've got the one guy coming out, you've got numbers. It's a three-on-two advantage. It's a pre-snap read. That's all they do. And so a lot of teams sort of like walking down a safety, bringing a linebacker. It's kind of that overhang. So he's not really counting as like the numbers, like towards the numbers. 
he's just he's all basically uh between the tight end and the slot but more close to the tight end so a lot of times they would count that as we still got a numbers advantage but as soon as the ball snapped they'd shoot that because yeah. you got because you got a clean alley if you're that guy because there's no one blocking it you can shoot that so they I mean they had different release packages for that outside then to to combat that they had some different blocking on the outside but it is something I mean again week to week some weeks would be good some weeks would be bad on the whole and I've not totally compiled these numbers yet on the whole their RPO game was not good this year and I think part of that is it is it's a lack of diversity again because it's all it's all horizontal they they ran. I don't know, six, seven vertical RPOs, which is where like a lot of the college game is where a lot of you know, the Eagles ran a lot of that stuff. Some of that you need the threat of a runner, but I do think they, if they want the RPO game to succeed, and I think love could do that, um, that, that it, it is a, you, you got to throw some of those vertical RPOs. And that's something that again, Rogers doesn't like, and I, I've tracked this back before. I think what it is in Denver week three, Denver, uh, 2019. So this is the first, uh, the first year under, under LaFleur. He counts. They do. They do a post. They, it's a post snap read RPO. So he's reading like the constraint guy and he, the conflict guy. And if that guy hangs back, I'm running it. And if not, then I'm handing the ball off. And that guy's Von Miller. And so he reads it. Rogers reads it well. Pulls it to throw it. Von Miller just then like gets back in the window, and Rogers has to eat the ball. And I think at that point, Rogers is like, "Well, I'm not doing that again." And so they <laughs> they don't like the vertical RPO. So I think they do need to diversify that a little bit. Um, yeah. It is it is still something. I mean. You're the the I think the offensive line hurt that more than anything because the idea is you're getting an advantage somewhere, right? You're either running with favorable numbers or you're passing the favorable numbers. So I do think at times you need to maybe lean more on the run game, even if the numbers don't look like they're there. Mm-hmm. But if they want the RPO to live, just as like a, just what they want to do, who no matter who the quarterback is, I think they got to diversify that a little bit, make that other than we're throwing the bubble if we've got three on two because those are real easy rules and yeah, team started team started figuring that out pretty quick. <laughs> Absolutely. And it kind of to me feels like the league as as a you know as a whole defensively have caught on the RPO. You know, the the first time that I really recognized the RPO was the the first time the uh you know that when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, right? They they yeah. kind of leaned on that RPO a lot and it really took the league by storm. And now when you look at the teams, you know, like you have Frank Wright go to Indianapolis and he was gonna resurrect Carson Wentz and all that, and their RPO game fell flat. And then at the same time, you see the Packers RPO game uh, fall flat. Now, I didn't watch Denver too closely, but I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, obviously they leaned on the RPO his last year in Green Bay. He goes to Denver, they fall flat. And then one thing I noticed about Doug Peterson last year was he seemed to adjust. And that's what made Andy Reid so successful, in my opinion, was he was willing to constantly evolve that offense. I'm Mm -hmm. really hoping we see that this year with LaFleur, not completely change things up. But uh, at the same time, it's going to be hard to to hear people say if the offense does change. We'll see. Now they're running Matt Lafleur's offense, and it was all Aaron Rodgers that w- that refused to do it because that's that's going to be there. People are going to yeah. talk about it. But um, so let's do this talking scheme. The second question I have, and we kind of covered it a little bit. I'm, I'm going to see if this question triggers anything else in your mind. You know, ever since Matt Lafleur he arrived in Green Bay, there was a lot of chatter about Aaron not running Lafleur's system. And to me, the system last year it looked very much like McVay's version of Shanahan's system. And I think some people hear the Shanahan system and they think their offense should look exactly like San Francisco. Um, but, you know, uh, the McVay version of Shanahan's system, you know, and, and because that involves way more 11 and 12 personnel than Kyle Shanahan, which, you know, is is 21 heavy, uh, you know, some fans just defaulted to Aaron Rodgers refused to run LaFleur's system. What's your take based off the film you've watched? Do you feel like 
Um, he's really Aaron Rodgers has prevented Matt LaFleur from getting into his scheme, or did you kind of see it the way I seen? I could be completely off base here, but to me, it looked like no, we don't. LaFleur has never ran Shanahan's, you know, quote unquote style of system or to, you know, that strict version. It's been more along that McVay version. Am I seeing that right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that the Shanahan stuff, I know for me, comes from it's some of its personnel stuff and some of it is is kind of more the run looks you're throwing out there, kind of the way you kind of base it more around. Because McVay, McVay's 11 and the way you get to those run looks are different, whereas Shanahan is more like he's going to do 21, but he's got all these versatile pieces. And so he's going to kind of base more around the run, a more intricate run game with then a more play action heavy pass game behind it. I mean. I would posit some of that, like, listen, it's a great system. I would posit some of that is just because he doesn't have a great quarterback to run some of that stuff. So you try to like, it's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a weird thing with some of that to talk about. Cause I mean, obviously you want to say something like, well, it's, you want to make that as easy for the quarterback. Well, all every scheme should do that. Correct. Like every scheme should do that, but the way defenses play you is different and, and the strengths of your quarterbacks is different. I mean, I think when I think of, um, I don't, I don't mean, I don't know what you think about when I think of people saying Rogers doesn't run the scheme. First of all, for the most part, um, when people say scheme and this includes me and people say scheme for the most part, they don't have a clear idea of what that is. You say, well, yeah. well when you say Rogers isn't running for scheme, it's that just means Rogers throws deep on third down. That that has nothing to do with like the intricacies of the system. That has nothing to do with scheme. That's just you don't like the way he plays this. And that's generally when I've seen when people say like he's not running the floor scheme. There's two things. It's that and um, refusal refusal to throw to the middle of the field. Um, yeah. Which I'm not going to say refusal. I did just run the numbers on that. I was working on that yesterday. He's like I don't know 64th out of 66 quarterbacks in terms of his percentage of targets that go to the middle of the field. So I mean that that's real. But what I mean what I will say about some of this stuff is. You want not only do you want to run the strength of your quarterback. I'm, I'm trying to find the best way to talk about this because every team, every single team that has a franchise quarterback that has a, a good quarterback, a quarterback's going to be there for more than like two years. Not necessarily will cater the system around them, but will play to their strengths. We'll say like, and and every team does this. You go the night before the game, a couple nights before the game. I mean, there's the Saints are famous for this stuff, where the night before a game, the entire staff will sit down with the quarterback, and the quarterback will say. I don't like this play. Like we, they, we installed all this. We went through this. We practiced it during the week. And the night before you say, I don't like this play. I don't like this play. I don't like this play. And you're Xing that. I mean, you hear people talking about Drew Brees, not running the system. No, you don't. I mean, the system there is different, but I think what, what Rogers is really, really good at, like he's got a, you know, a handful of superpowers. I think still has a handful of superpowers. I agree. One of them is pre-snap post-snap recognition and what he's going to do. And I mean, he's, he's been around the league for a long time. Um, you know, the, the defenses have changed to the point where like they're kind of back to where they were at this point with, with some of the core principles there, but what he came up through and how he had played for a long time was I'm going to give my, if my guy has a one-on-one, I'm going to give my guy a chance to win. Like if I like that matchup, I'm doing that. Like that's where I'm going. And so a lot of those you see, this is one of my things this year because a lot of those it was those those third down deep shots, right? Like those those seam stuff, and a lot of those are missing and whatever. Some of that is you talk about scheme. Some of that's just guys not running the right routes or getting you know taken off the line or something like that. But you got these two high looks, and then po- Rogers has a play called, all right? Or they've you know the floor's got the play called, whoever. Post snap, those guys rotate. You got single high. Well, now the seam is open, so instead you've got like you've got something maybe called to the middle but that guy is rotated down. He's taken away the dig to the inside, right? So now it's, okay, my shot is to the outside. So as soon as Roger sees that guy pulling down, okay, I know I've got one-on-one on the outside. I'm taking that. And to his detriment sometimes, he will he will do, 
He will call pre-snap. He will adjust routes pre-snap. He will he will throw post-snap based on what he thinks gives his team, his guys, the, the, the biggest chance. And some of that is, I mean, if your receivers are not good enough to beat their guys, that's a problem. I need you to adjust. And if I've got a knock on Rodgers, that's part of it. Those guys, Dobbs was not winning at the line. And if you expect him to win at the line and win this one-on-one matchup, that's on you for him not winning it. Like he needs to win that. But at yep. some at a certain point, that's on you for saying, I'm gonna throw this anyway, and then getting mad at him because he's not showing a consistent ability to do that. But I think to his detriment, he's if I've got a matchup and I like that, I'm taking it. And he right. and he will continue to do that. So I think again, this though I'll get too, too way too rambling. I warned you, Clayton. No, no, this happened. There's nothing uh, rambly about this. <laughs> but that is, I think, one of one of the bigger issues. People talk about scheme, it is that he's chucking on third down. Well, uh, Okay, why is he chucking on third down? What was the pre-snap? What's the post-snap look? What was what was the concept called? How the defense look? What were they doing? What has worked in the past? How how are they playing this? Like, there's a thousand things that go into this stuff. I know early in the season there's a whole bunch of well, Rogers isn't looking very good. Well, Sammy Watkins is running the wrong route sixty percent of the time, and he's throwing <laughs> to Sammy Watkins. Like, what, what, what are we doing here? And again, right. some of that's on the quarterback for you've got to win with the guys that are out there. But at a certain point, you you have to adjust some of that stuff. But the, but I think the scheme stuff I think does come to come down to he doesn't throw the middle of the field and he throws long on third and long and I don't like that and that, that that's basically what it boils down to I think. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes total sense. Yeah, I remember Kurt Warner, uh, you know, responding to people and 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 you know breaking down the tape and and whether you agree with how he did it or not, you know, was it aggressive? I don't know. I I all I know is he's a Hall of Fame quarterback and. When he talks, I'm gonna shut up and listen. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It's like he obviously understands the uh, you know the repercussions, the the negative aspect of if he tries to hammer this seam in right here, and and on and on. And um, you know, it's funny. I when I when I posted that before the thumb injury, Rogers' completion percentage was two percent higher than his career average. All I got was well, all he does is throw short, Clayton. All he does is throw short. Of course, he has a lot high completion percentage, and then. The thumb gets broken. The completion percentage dips to 61% during that stretch before the bye. And all I'm hearing is all he does is play hero ball. He just wants to chuck it on third and one. I'm like, what do you want him to do? Like, you're mad if he throws short. You're mad if he throws deep. And, again, it comes down to we've all been that fan. I know I have, especially when I was younger. It was run the ball. And then when they get stuffed, it's why are we running the ball? ball? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. I appreciate you breaking that down for sure. Um, So let's do this. Let's go to the the chat here real quick. Tyler's got a comment. We'll jump in here. Then we'll get to that other question we mentioned. But Tyler says, isn't part of our offensive struggles due to defenses uh, knowing that they can't dictate Rodgers' decisions by pre- and post-snap movements, i.e. forcing Rodgers to throw down the sidelines. What do you think about that? I mean, I don't know, to an extent, because you do know kind of what tendencies are, but at the same time, I think, I think one of the things, yeah, and it's, yeah, I figured that was Ken. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Right. Yeah. They, they can dictate the Rogers decisions. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's part of it, but some of that also is, I don't know. You need, again, some of that, you need the guys to win. And so it doesn't like, you look at some of that stuff, it doesn't matter if you're able to dictate it, if if we say like, well, they're, they're dictating Rogers, you know, throwing down the sideline, then you're giving a guy who is fast a one-on-one matchup down the sideline. Like, <laughs> and then some of that is, I mean, this is where I've always come down to. This is not necessarily answering this question. This is just mm-hmm. broader about the season. This is where I've always come down to about like some of the stuff about scheme and doing this and that. I never thought the problem was a scheme. And I thought as the season went on, what LaFleur showed in terms of like, 
scrapping things, reworking run scheme, pass scheme, different concepts that weren't working for them to make things that did work for them. Like the self-scouting involved to be able to make some of those changes. I thought were really, really good. My issue with this team from the jump. And I think this, I think this is, this was true from the early in the season. And it was true later in the season as well. I think a lack of attention to d- details on a lot of stuff. You can have the most beautiful scheme in the world. You can draw stuff up really well. If your guys are running the wrong routes, if your guys are running into each other, if your guys aren't winning when they're supposed to be winning, it's going to look bad. I mean, I think, you know, Hackett obviously did not do well in Denver, but hack it out the door. And then you bring up a guy who's never been OC and you're kind of, it's Peter principling everyone just kind of up the chain there. And so you've got these like, well, Stenovich was a good O-line coach. It doesn't mean he's a good offensive coordinator because offensive right. co- coordinator is not, I'm calling in these plays. It's you're courting the offense. Like you're, you've got to bring these guys in. You get these guys ready. What's your job on this? What's your job on that? What's the personnel packages? It's an attention to detail that I think frankly was missing. So, I mean, some of that, um, Again, like as far as like Rogers throwing down the side, the decision to do that, I saw a number of them this year that like that was that's the right decision. And the guy, you know, either maybe had a step on a guy or maybe he didn't. But the guy, there's the, the vertical routes down the sideline you want, was it the red line? So if you're throwing vertically down the sideline, you want five yards between your man and the sideline. That's hmm. what you want to do. Their guy's running two yards from the sideline. So Rogers got no place to put that ball. So, I mean, I think there is that to some extent that if you know tendencies, like you can dictate some of that stuff. But then you're you're giving up open looks on the stuff that you're kind of dictating, and and if those guys aren't winning, so maybe that is a good, maybe it's a good way to do it. If you're like, well, their receivers aren't going to win, but the same, like I don't think, I don't think it was that big of an issue. Like I do think overall, like he's still running the offense. Just you know, throughout the course of a game, he'll take a couple shots based on based on those looks, and sometimes those will work out, and sometimes they won't. I mean, yeah. that Watson one week one is a pretty good example of that, right? Like, <laughs> right. It's it's so so much we're we're tied into the results of this stuff as opposed to like the process of it, and more often than not the process is pretty good. It's just they didn't execute this year. I mean that that's again that's to me that's a bigger issue than their scheme than the way defense is dictated to them than any of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Very well said. And Tyler says here. Um, he said, wasn't trying to place any blame uh, yeah. by my question, just trying to understand the uh, intricacies. Man, y'all use those big words on these redneck boys, I'm telling you right now, of this <laughs> offense. <laughs> I know context always matters. I was more referring uh, referring or inferring defenses uh, forcing us into our tendencies. Yeah, I could kind of see that. And, you know, golly, we could we could spend a whole episode – Dusty talking about the defense and and uh, you know the corners supposedly playing off the ball too far and that it, evidently if if the corners would have just played on the line of scrimmage our defense would have been top five that's when you read Twitter that's what it, honestly <laughs> dude I don't know if anything drives me crazier and, and I don't know spend nearly as much time on the defensive side of the ball but nothing makes me crazier than someone saying well if they they played man instead of zone like there's not just man and zone man those lines are blurred you can't you're not just saying man or zone like that's not a thing that's like, that's not really a thing at this point you could just say but that's yeah. I it, it always um have to pull myself back from engaging because it's like it's I can't get into that. It's it's too much. There's there's too much to talk about. And I don't know enough to talk about it. So. <laughs> no, no, I completely understand it. And my rule of thumb is let it bounce around. Let it bounce around in this noggin a little bit before you tweet it out, you know, because people will come at you and it's like we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Some people are just trolling, and it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the issue that I have is when people, like when they when they step into your mentions, it's like you knocked on my door and said, you're a moron. If you knock on my door and tell me I'm a moron, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be nice about it. But if you want to say, hey, I disagree with that, let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Totally for it. But yeah, good stuff. Here's a great question. And this comes from Mike. Um, and I, it kind of goes hand in hand with our question. I'm going to read his question. I'm going to read my question. You can kind of couple them together here. But Mike says, what will 10 bring to the passing game that maybe 12 couldn't or wouldn't? And the last question I had asked you there in the chat there, uh, Dusty, was what do you think we will miss the most about Rodgers leaving? And what can we look forward to in turning the page to love? I feel like those questions are pretty hand in hand. So let's go with Mike's. And we won't even ask that final question. Um, what will 10, what will Jordan Love bring to the passing game that maybe 12 couldn't or wouldn't? Man, it's a it's a pretty bold question, in my opinion. I mean, you're talking about a four-time MVP, Super Bowl winning, Super Bowl MVP uh, caliber quarterback. Some would argue is the greatest passer of the football in the history of the game. Um, I don't know if I'm quite to that level, but I can understand that argument, definitely. Um, what do you think, man? Is there anything that you see – with with 10 that 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 10 could do better because you know my biased opinion is you know I feel like Rodgers kind of became the scapegoat last year not that anyone should feel sorry for a man who's making that much money and and had so much success but it was just like the easy answer was always this is Aaron Rodgers's fault and I heard some people say well you know Aaron hasn't done anything that Jordan Love couldn't do and I'm like wow that's a that's a bold statement but to answer Mike's question here you know what what will Tim bring to the passing game that maybe 12 couldn't or wouldn't do I mean I do think I mean again I think Sir Rogers Rogers detriment at the time I, I do think that he would try to get his team in the best look uh try to get try to uh, get to the best situation get to the best matchup every single time and sometimes that wouldn't work out again if you don't have the talent on that side of the ball if you don't have guys winning when you expect them to win like that's not going to work so I think so I'll say this, and then I'm going to have to immediately backtrack because I know how this is going to sound. But I think he's he's likely going to work within the structure of the offense a little bit more. What do I mean by that is less less calls, less checks at the line, and more just this was the play called. And obviously, you've got what the can system up, so you've got you go up with you know uh, two to three plays. You don't like them, you can it. You get to the one that you like. You yeah. do that. So there's going to be that freedom. Um, they've got the Packers don't have a ton of option routes as far as what they do, but there will be some of that. You know, it'll probably adjust a little. The site adjust based on some of the coverage and all that stuff. But I think it will be. He's going to try to get more to kind of three step, five step, seven step, 
get the ball out. You get, you know, one to two to three to run, to check down to whatever you're going to do. I do think it's going to be more kind of in structure and, and love can create out of a structure. I think, I think up front, particularly originally, I'm going to say, listen, man, go through your reads. This is what you're looking for. This is what you're doing. And I'm fascinated to see how that turns out because I mean, it looked good against the Eagles and limited. Sure snaps, even then, even then, I think they were running four passing concepts, and by the end of it, the Eagles started started leaning on those a little bit. And, he, and when they did, he showed he had answers for it. He moved. He got to the fourth read. Like he's he's. So I think he's going to try to operate more within the structure of the offense. Now that being said, I know a lot. One of the knock on Rodgers is, well, he's you know he's always looking for the home run shot, which is simply not true. Like he is one of the best <laughs> quick game passers in the league still to this day, and that's something that I don't know that love. That's something you need a little better feel for in terms of uh, how defenses play that, what they're squatting out on the outside, all that stuff. And you need accuracy, and that ball needs to come out quick. And, and again, Love's release looks a lot better. His footwork looks great from the Eagles game. But yeah. as far as how you start reading that stuff when defenses start adjusting to the quick game, I'm curious how much of that they leave in versus how much they kind of rework just because, again, talk about Roger's superpower. Roger's throwing stick or Roger's throwing, you know, slant flat. Like that, that's a superpower right there. And I don't know, I don't know if, if Love has that in his bag. Um, and there's also, I think, a misconception in terms of like, <laughs> you know, you got to hit that back foot and get the ball out. Love was hitting the back foot and getting the ball out. That's true. If every quarterback could hit the back foot and get the ball out every single play, they would do that. Defenses make that hard. Like you can't, right. you can't do that. And so when, when stuff starts breaking down, I'm curious how that looks with Love. Cause I think in the structure of the offense, he could be good, but I do think that's what they're going to do. All right. It's you got your three step, five step, seven step. That's it. If it's not there, bail. Um, but I think they're going to try to get him to be within the structure of the offense a little more, which means you're you're probably creating less advantages for your offense. You're not taking advantage of some of those spots when the defense is giving you pre snap. Like you're not taking advantage of those looks. So that's 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 my thought. But I'm I'm it, I mean obviously I, I've not looked at Twitter since we started recording. I I don't know. Maybe Rogers has been traded. You know, this is all assuming Love's going to be back. Uh, but if you know, so we'll so see true. what happens. Exactly. There, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. We were talking about you know coaches putting players in in a position to do what they do really well, and and the last three years, you know, at least two and a half years, they they lean very very heavily on that horizontal RPO game. And what does Rogers do so well? All the way back to when Mike McCarthy first got the job, and you know, of course they they had drafted Aaron Rodgers. And they said the first time that Aaron Rodgers started doing the figure eight ball handling drills right between the legs, mm-hmm. I remember McCarthy said he don't know how good that is. And he had watched Steve Young do it. He watched Joe Montana do it, all these great quarterbacks. And what what makes Aaron Rodgers special? Obviously, the arm strength, the accuracy he's had over the years, but that quick release. And that's why you lean on that horizontal RPO game for sure. So, um, you know. For me with Jordan Love, I don't see that quick release that Aaron has. I mean, there's not many people in the history of the game who have had it, but I did like watching him operate, like you said. You know, that that play-action pass, that was not a hard throw to make to mm-hmm. Christian Watson to turn on the burners. But when he finished that drop, when he when he turned off that play-action, he knew exactly where he was going with the ball, and he looked confident. He looked like it was right on time. That's definitely something to look forward to for sure. Um, let's see here. Hopefully I'm not clicking on the same one here. Uh, yeah, here we go. So this comes from Tyler. Tyler says, uh, adding to Jordan talk, it was noticeable how much quicker his post-snap processing skills were last year versus previous, right? Um, really looked like that married with timing, his drop up, his drops up and quiet feet and a tightened up release is why he looked better, right? I, I completely agree with that, Dusty. Yeah. I mean, what I seen with Jordan Love was someone who, 
anticipation. That was the big thing for me. It was like he was anticipating every throw. There was a throw in preseason. I don't know if you remember it. I, I may be wrong here, but I think it was against the Saints where it's it's what Greg Cosell talks about, layering, layer, layering passes in. And mm-hmm. it was literally into double coverage on the sideline, and out route. It might have been a sell. I think it was an out. Man, that was a pretty ball, Dusty. I mean, that, yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah. And he had a clean pocket, you know, but the mechanics was just like, Wow, that's exactly what his quarterback sucker in the bucket too. Like, just oh, beautiful. it was unbelievable. Yeah. When I seen that, I went, "Whoa, this kid!" Like, he's he's came a long way, and you could see everything that his quarterback, his his personal quarterback coach, talks about. And his his name escapes me right now, but he talked about you know uh, throwing off a flat foot rather than on that toe. He keeps getting hung up on that front toe, and and that throw right there is a perfect example. If you watch how he threw that ball, it was just it was layered beautifully. Absolutely beautiful. Let's see what else we got here. Um, this comes from Jason. I'm not pre-reading them. We may regret them. I don't know, Dusty. We're going to get into it. Oh, here we go. You know what I'm. You know what I'm feeling right now. The anxiety I'm feeling. Right. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Let's just let's get it, man. <laughs> if, we're here for it. If this coming season is in fact the season of love, do you think we'll see more use slash production of or from Deguara, meaning Josiah Deguara? Uh, will it be in a use check like role, man? I'm telling you right now. When they drafted him, Dusty, I was like, this is going to be our Kyle use check. Now, I'm not saying he's going to play at that I, level. I legitimately said, like, this is the key that unlocks the offense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What has happened? What When you watch it, what are they just not utilizing it? Is DeGuara lacking? Obviously, we're not expecting him to be at the use check level of skill. I mean, use check's one of the best H-backs, you know, fullbacks, whatever you want to call them to do it. Um, what what do you think is off there? Are they have they just not utilized it because the RPO game we were talking about? Or honestly, the way they used him this year has been fascinating. So he, you know, he tight ends are always it's like one of the hardest positions they always say to come in from college to be productive in the NFL. It's one of the toughest positions because you're learning three positions. If you're if you're kind of that that hybrid role, you've got tight end, so you the receive and the receiving stuff off the tight end. You've got offensive line blocking stuff, and now you're you're learning kind of like lead blocking stuff from an up back role. So it's you're, you're three different roles. A lot of times you don't even see those guys pop until like the second contract. And so there's part of it. He got injured, obviously, first year, so that took away some of it. I think I still think he has a lot of ability. I think his size hinders him a little for in terms of like a true like inline tight end. But again, mm-hmm. how they were using him this year. So go down the rabbit hole here. So one of the things the Packers want to do early in the season, what they want to do, I'm sorry, Clayton. No, uh, I love it, dude. Love it. What, one of the things they really want to do uh, was lean into, we talked about Shanahan in the running game earlier. That's what they want to do this year. They want to get more power, pull stuff. They're pulling those guards. They're pulling the tackles. They're pulling the centers. And they did that early. And, and then, like, it didn't work because the offensive line was not working and guys were getting injured. So instead of doing that, what they did, um, you know, halfway through the season, they made it, they made a switch. But they basically went to or right back to wide zone, inside zone, except they still want to get to those looks. So they'd motion those tight ends down. They have a lot of the pin pull stuff with the, the, the tight end slams and you get yeah. a guard pulling around. They do a lot of that stuff, except what they have the tight end. And then so they have, they do that anyway. And Lewis, Lewis is the guy on the tight end and they kind of run that stuff. But to get to more of their power, like those wham looks, it would still be wide zone blocking. So everyone's at the train, except they'd have the tight end motioning out. And then the tight end would release. Sometimes he would be on the edge and he'd slam in. Sometimes he'd release, you know, they'd snap the ball right after he crossed with the quarterback and then he attacks that gap. And so it's still some of those power stuff, but they're running power with um, alpha zone basically by using tight end as a polar off of motion. So that's one of the big things it did. And DeGuaro was big with that. And I mean, the other thing was and Tyler Davis used a lot with that as well. But the other big thing was the pony package was supposed to be big this year. The Dylan, uh, the Dylan Jones package. 
Yeah. That felt spectacularly. And there was, I think there's a lack of creativity with some of that, but also a lack of ability. So that's another way they tweak that was, all right, we're running our, our, our pony personnel, except our second back is going to be Josiah Deguara. So they're running, it's, I mean, it's, it's 12 personnel at that point, because you got one running back, you got two tight ends, but mm-hmm. they got Deguara doing all the stuff that you would have the other back doing, essentially. They basically just plopped him in, said, do this, and it's no longer pony package, but the same stuff. So I think his, his production has not been there. Like his snaps were middling for most of the year. But what they did with the skill set this year, even if the production wasn't there, I think was fascinating. I think it was a big part of kind of some of the success they found in the middle of the year, the success they had with the run game and all of that. So I, I still, again, he's undersized. I don't know if he's ever going to be like fully like a use check. I don't know if his feel for the game is, is quite at that level, but man alive, like when he's out there and he, bl- he blocks like a dog dude too. Like mm-hmm. when he's out there, he's blocking until the echo of the whistle. Like he's, he'll whiff on blocks occasionally, but he always knows where he's supposed to be. When he locks a guy up, like he's, that guy's out of the play. Like he's, he's an absolute. So I think he had, I think he had, I don't know, what do you have five, six catches on the year? But beyond, I thought, I thought he had a tremendous year. I thought he did at the, like it was a very, very good year in terms of feel for the game and what he allowed them to do. It would mm-hmm. be nice to get maybe, you know, him in space a little bit more because he is good with the ball in his hands. But it's just, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, that's one of those guys where the production, I, I think, tells a fraction of the story. But I would like to see him more involved with love. And I yeah. hope that happens. Absolutely. I know Ryan, you know, with what he watched on tape, he was a big fan of Deguara saying he felt like he was doing a good job. But like you said, it's just it's limited opportunities, you know, within what they're mm-hmm. trying to do. And, man, you you hitting the pony. When you said pony package, when those two words came out of your mouth, I, I slipped into depression. I was like, <laughs> I was so, I was so excited about the pony package. And then all year long, it's like, did I convince myself the pony package was something different than what it was going to be? It was just, it seemed so predictable um, by the, you know, by the middle of the season. Um, and, you know, AJ Dillon, some people would say he underperformed this year. You know, the, the PFF grade suggests he, he played pretty well. Um, it was just, it was just a weird season, man, with yeah. the injuries and everything. Um and we're going to get into a tough, a tough question here in a minute. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to plead the fifth and say I'm not going to answer it. But before we do, let's just go to the comments here real quick. Tyler said uh, Deguara seemed to improve his blocking this year. I would agree with that, and seemed like he got a little more shake on his uh, his route stems. Um, and then right here, the next question was from Adam. Adam said, uh, "What I've seen with Love in a small sample was what Rogers used to do." I mean, I'm thinking is what he said. Um, I don't know, man. It's just like you said, when Rodgers is in there, it, it does become kind of a – it's fascinating because I respect LaFleur for leaning on Rodgers and allowing him to do what he – you know, using that knowledge that he's gained over the years. But at the same time, there there were some times, I'm not going to lie, and, and you guys know I'm a big Rodgers fan. I'm not a Rodgers hater by no means. There were a few times where I was like, I, I feel like Coach LaFleur is leaning on him too much. And, and maybe that was because Aaron asked for it, you know. It could have been. It probably was. But at the same time, man, you get two two straight MVP performances like they had. Sooner or later, the league is going to catch up. I mean, my goodness. When we went from Mike Sherman to, to Mike McCarthy, that was a big change, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure you were a fan back then, right, Dusty? I don't Absolutely. know your age. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm too, uh, too old, Clayton. I'm 42, man. Yeah, I'm 40, so I'm right there with you. I'm, the body's hurting. The body is hurting bad. <laughs> but I remember when, you know, I used I fell in love with Kevin Barry going out there and playing that extra tight end position and those heavy eyes and, and what they did with Amon Green. And we had Mike Wall on the show and just hearing his perspective on how things unfolded. Um, you know, I love that offense. And then Mike McCarthy comes in. I'm going, why are they spreading this out? This looks like sissy ball. What? Are, and then two years in, it's like, 
this is why they're spreading it. Okay, this mm-hmm. makes sense. It's just amazing how the league is so uh, cyclical, how things mm-hmm. you know come and go. It, it really is. It's fascinating. So um, one more from Adam here, and then I'm going to ask you that tough question. Adam says, what I've seen in Love's small sample was he makes a quick decision and puts it in a place for some yak. It seems like Rodgers has lost that. Um, I, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that, Adam. Yeah. I respect the opinion there. What do you think about that, Dustin? Do you think do you think Aaron Aaron has lost that aspect of his game? No, I don't. I mean, I I, I disagree with that. I don't think he, I don't think he's lost that aspect of his game. I think he's still very good at that aspect of the game. And and part of it is, I mean, we talk about love with small sample. It's legitimately small sample. Again, like he's been working every single year, and really the best representation we've seen of like this is likely this is the the high level of what we think he could be is that Eagles game. And I know a lot of people say that's garbage. Time. It was not garbage time. They were, they were playing like actual defense and, and all of that. Like he took advantage of what they gave him and that was good. And again, they, they rolled out a limited playbook. I think that helped him in terms of like that. He, I only have to run these four to five things when I'm out there this quarter. Like he knew that going in, he knew what needed to be done. That's different than operating for a full game, a full two games, a full season. But it is, I mean, it's something it's important to keep in mind. Because I, I, <laughs> I had a, a little fishing experiment the other day, uh, Clayton. I, I posted a clip of, of Love throwing uh, that touchdown to Christian Watson. <laughs> and I didn't even, I didn't say anything about Love. I, didn't I, say witnessed, this. I witnessed this. All, all I did, man, all I did was I was like, man, it's like one of my favorite, th- one of my favorite concepts to watch from this angle. Because it's that, it's that dig. It's a play yeah. action dig. Love takes it from our center, throws a strike. Christian Watson takes it to the house. <laughs> <laughs> part, okay, so part of it is I love that play, but the other part of it is, I mean, I got, I got, I want to gauge responses. I want to see what's going on here, man. Because what I, what I thought was going to happen is what, it, what eventually ended up happening. Some people would say like, "What's well, an easy throw?" Which is true. Um, some of it is. I remember when Rogers used to throw the middle of the field like that. They ran that concept thirty plus times with Rogers this past year, and he <laughs> found great success with it. Whatever it is, well, you know, I, I miss when Rogers used to operate under center. Rogers still operated under center this past year quite a bit. I, I did something. I didn't do it as the season went on because I got bored. But going into that, I think it was even it was even after it was going to the Giants game. That's what it was. His under center rate was I I don't know. It was like thirty percent or something. Mm-hmm. If you look at the totality of the games, but if you look at it by like context, if you look at it where they were, like if you basically take out a drive with less than a minute left before halftime, if you take out one that was like a like a going into a hail mary attempt or something like that mm-hmm. for the season, his under center rate was uh was higher than it was um the previous two years under the floor, right in line with that stuff yeah. and so the, the the idea of well rogers doesn't attack the middle of the field again uh, not as much as other guys do but also like he doesn't operate from under center he operates from under center like he, he will do that he'll run play action i don't think he likes it but there is a and i see the other other question coming in from him the, the little clarification uh ball placement between two qbs again I disagree with that. I think Rodgers, I think his ball placement is still very good. I think his deep ball is not what it once was. Um, and that's right. one of the first things to go on some older quarterbacks. So that's that's not shocking. Like he's just not perfect anymore, which is is fine. Uh, but I think some of like some of those digs, some of the stuff he's throwing, again, the same thing that that Watson caught on that on that touchdown. Rodgers throwing that same ball to the same guys, or some sometimes different guys, with a chance to get yak. Like again, I think some of it is um it, what what you've seen last or, or what's in your mind because it is a small sample size but I, I, I think Rogers is as far as ball placement in short to intermediate areas I mean I think he's still one of the best in the league at that and he's and he's always going to he leans heavier too I think this this does somewhat with it he leans heavy into protecting his guys too so a lot of times he'll throw back hip if he doesn't have to throw back hip because he's got a safety screamer down he's gonna blow the guy up like he will do that and sometimes that will that will limit yak opportunities uh, but he's always done that uh but yeah I'd I, 
I don't know. I maybe I'm wrong here, uh, but my feeling is that his ball placement on some of those, like if you look at like ball placement on a slant, it still gives this guy a chance to pluck that ball and keep running. So I I I, I don't know that I agree with the statement. Um, and again, we're looking we're talking about nine nine dropbacks from Love, and it's it's really yeah. hard to make grand statements about about nine dropbacks, no matter how impressive I think they they were. No, it absolutely very well said. Um, you know, it, it, the thing that came to mind as you were describing that because. We had a lot of people in the first half of the season saying that we we got to get away from the shotgun inside zone run. We got to get away from the shotgun run. It's you know why aren't we you know running you know from under center and this and that and and I went and did my own study because I'm like man are, are they am I am I watching the same game as as some of these folks and I broke down the statistics and they were actually averaging more yards per carry running out of the gun than any other they set. Sure. I'm, yeah, I'm like. That's why did, they keep going. I back. did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing because I, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to come across as no, you're just wrong. And like you said, starting this podcast, it's it's about understanding why things are happening, not just what's happening, and, mm-hmm. and getting the whole story. So let's get to the tough question. We're gonna wrap this big bear up. So it. Dusty Evely, everybody, yes, everybody's out of the building, and you got to make the decision. All right. And everything's on the table. You've got to choose a quarterback. And and every positive and negative that comes with whether you go with Aaron Rodgers or you go with Jordan Love, everything's on the table in a realistic manner, right? You've got to make the decision. Rodgers wants to come back to Green Bay. What does Dusty Evely do, whether it's general manager, head coach, president, whoever's making the decision, you're in that position. Would you say, yeah, come on back for one more run at it? Or would you say – no, it's time to turn the page and move on to Jordan Love. This is a loaded question, and you understand it is. I understand it is. <laughs> I'm going to well, answer it because I don't. I would never ask anybody to do anything that I listen, wouldn't be willing to I'll do. Ta- I'll take a run it after you do, Clayton. You go first, right. man, and I got you next, man. My answer is is Aaron Rodgers, and it's it's simply because, and I ask this all year long, Dusty, when people would say Jordan could do better. Jordan, I'm like, if you can tell me that Jordan Love can play the quarterback position better than Aaron Rodgers, and he is the better – he gives us the better chance to win a football game, then absolutely. I'm cool with going with Jordan Love. But I am not to that point. And to this day, I haven't found anyone to point out to me why they would feel like Jordan Love is the better quarterback now. He may end up being better than Rodgers. That's hard to imagine. Him being better than Rodgers in Rodgers' prime, I mean, it really is. But I'm not saying that that can't be the case. But just the way it sits now, I would go with Rodgers. How would you do it? How would you handle it? So it's tough because I'm not in the building, so I have to look him in the eye and tell him. Um, but <laughs> right. honestly, man, I'm telling him we're, we're going with love. And and the reason for that, it's not, it's not, it's not this season. Uh, because I do think, I mean, I think now, regardless of what you think about what Rodgers did last year, and I'm I'm very much of the mind, you know, the the numbers the numbers do not reflect kind of what he did or what he was this past year. I think he's he's obviously declining. But you have a better chance to win with Rodgers than without Rodgers. I think he is still a top quarterback in the league. I think he's clearly better than Jordan Love at this point. And that's with, you know, again, a huge caveat that we've seen nine dropbacks of Jordan Love like this year. Um, that that wasn't when uh, Spags is like blitzing the the ever-loving whatever out of him in Kansas City. But I think for me it's it's about the future and it's it's about the state of the current team because the, the team as it stands. I mean, I think this team right now, and I think with Love or with Rodgers, and let's say let's say Rodgers stays for two years. Let's say Rodgers says, I want to come back, and I want to play the next two years. I want to play out this contract, and the Packers say, cool, all right, we're going to have you back. We're going to do this. Even with Rodgers, and we'll say even if Rodgers 
not MVP level, but a tick below MVP level. Let's say better than 2022, but not as good as, you know, 2020, we'll say. I think the team tops out at divisional level. I think just based based on where they are. Like I think they either win the division or get wild card and they lose in the wild and they lose in the divisional round. I think that's the cap on them. I don't think they're competing for a Super Bowl in the next two years. And again, so that's the state of the roster. I think the offensive line, I think where the offensive line is, I think where some of the defense is, I think where the receiver group, as much as I like them, I still I I like Dobbs, but I don't know if Dobbs is like the guy. I think there's things he's right. got to work on and we'll know a lot this next year. And Watson needs to show I love Christian Watson. Love, love, love Christian Watson. We got to see if he can stay healthy. So I think there's a lot of questions there. There's enough questions for me to say, all right, I don't think we're winning. A, we're not contending for Super Bowl for the next two years. And I think with Rodgers or with Love, I think I think we top out division. So I think they've got to see what they have. Say, And, and part of that is, for me, it is as someone who, who absolutely loves – uh, Aaron Rodgers. And is, I mean, I started writing a football, uh, you know, nine or 10 years ago, whenever the all 22 was made available, I've, I've learned about the finer points of playing quarterback from watching Aaron Rodgers, Absolutely. from watching him and watching other guys around the league and how he operates and the level of, of, uh, intelligence that he has in terms of what he's, how he's able to see the field, how he's able to distribute beyond what he's able to do with a ball. Like I, I just think what he's done is amazing. Um, my all-time favorite quarterback watching, like I got that. I think he's just incredible. All that being said, I think you're looking at the future at this point. Mm-hmm. And listen, if love stinks, love stinks. Like that's that that's how this works. Like if he stinks, it stinks. I just think right. in terms of we're not winning a Super Bowl the next two years. I really would like to see Rodgers win another one. And if that comes with another team, man, so be it. Like if he goes to the Jets to win a Super Bowl, I, that's fine. I, don't know. I watched. I'm a big Tigers guy. I watched Verlander win a ring with the Astros. Man, I can watch anything. <laughs> I watch Rogers win a ring with the Jets. That's fine. So I want Rogers another shot at a ring, and I want to see what the Packers have in love and yeah. build for the next, you know, three to four years as opposed to the next one to two. Because I think, I think just based on the state of the team, not based on Rogers, I just I think it's I think it's run its course in terms of um, kind of how their how their team is capped, what the, what they're capable of doing. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Hey, perfect answer. Perfect answer. I love Thank that you. we disagreed on the answer, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling more and more comfortable about the idea of love from people that I trust and respect. And, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Ryan and I, he's going, don't throw me into this. I guarantee you saying that right now, but you know, people <laughs> that you talk about or that you, you know, that you talk to and it's like, man, I, you know, I'm getting more and more comfortable about, let's see what love is. Um, and yeah, I'm excited about it. One thing that I am very, very appreciative of, and we'll wrap it up here. And, I, and I've said this over and over on my pod, Dusty, is thank God that this is not going to end the way it did with Favre. You know, yeah. that that they sat down and they both agreed that, hey, look, if we get the right situation, we're going to part ways and it's nobody's fault. You know, Aaron said for the last month and a half, two months on the McAfee show, it's got to be mutual, right? And they said, you know, you heard Mark Murphy come out and, and made some comments, and and boy, it's funny watching people react to that. But what did he say? <laughs> we're, you know, we're going to do what's best for Aaron and what's best for us, and and we're on the same page with how we're going to go about that. I'm just glad that it's it's not going to end the way it did back then because Dusty, that was ugly, man. God, it was ugly. And, wasn't pretty. Yeah, <laughs> not pretty. The part that bothered me the most, and here we are, a rabbit hole. I'm trying to wrap it up, and I'm going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> was knowing that Minnesota tampered and you know, the league was just like, you know what? It's good for the league for them to have done this. It creates a little more rivalry. It it reminded me of Robert Kraft and the time that he was trying to speak to Belichick and, 
and Parcells had Belichick with him at the Jets, and he promoted him to head coach and prevented mm-hmm. him from going to New England. And when Kraft tried to file the grievance, what did he say? The league led me to believe that this was better for the league. If it <laughs> went this, it's the first thing I thought of with Favre talking behind the, the scenes with Bevel and all of it. But anyway, mm-hmm. is there anything you want to plug? Not that my platform will help you do that. You're, you're way larger than I am. But is there anything you want to wrap up with here, man? Anything you got going on you want people to know about? Man, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm working on a handful of things. Again, I'm trying to plan kind of next steps. I'm looking at, uh, you know, what the Packers did uh, offensively by down, by distance, by blah, blah, blah. So I'm trying to – my ultimate goal here is to create like a call sheet in terms of like what the Packers did in these situational downs based on how they how they performed. And I'm sure I'll be yelling from the rooftops whenever that's done, if that gets done. But right now I'm working on it. I mean, we talked earlier about this, you know, the idea of – you know, trying, try, being curious about some things and trying to, to see, you know, not, not going in or going in with preconceived notions to see if they're true. So I, I talked about this a little bit, but the idea of Rogers avoiding the middle of the field, my feeling was like, that's not true. Like he throws the middle of the field, but I don't know what the rest of the league is doing. So I've spent a lot of time compiling stuff from the rest of the league and how they've been throwing since going back to the beginning of 2019 with the goal of, well, I'm going to show, I'm going to, I'm going to show everyone wrong, man. And Rogers throws the middle of the field. What are they doing? And then I compile all the data. Like I, I'm almost done with it. I've got a couple more things I got to run. I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. No, he's, he's, I mean, he's throwing the middle of the field. I think it's like a 38% clip, but the leader's like 55. So like, and, and again, like he's, he's below average, you know, across the league and all of this. So it's one of those things where I went in with a preconceived notion of I'm going to prove people wrong. He throws the middle of the field. And now I've got, now I'm going to write about how, yeah, no, all the data suggests that he's not there in the middle of the field. And everyone's going to say, we knew that already. Why'd you, why'd you spend so much time on that? So <laughs> that'll, that'll be out at some point, I think, but I always kind of, this time of the year, I always kind of take a break from stuff. And so I'm not, yeah. um, I, during the year I, I write over on Cheesehead TV and I write at uh, Packer Report uh, and I'm, I've not written anything for them since the season's been done. I'm basically doing Pack a Day podcast every Wednesday and yeah. then popping up occasionally. And hopefully, hopefully next month, something on you know, the, their tendencies by down a distance and what worked and what didn't that series will be starting up over on cheesehead TV. But uh, yeah, I've, I've barely started that. So I've got nothing to, it's a long way of saying Clayton, I got nothing to plug, man. No, I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I did four, four podcasts a week this season. And um, man, it, I, I understand how people get burnt out, not burn out on football, but just burn out on hearing your own voice and talk. <laughs> Like I, I'm one. I don't like to talk. People listen to pod and go, whatever. I really don't. I'd rather be the guy in the corner shutting up and listening, trying to learn something. But uh, I just want to thank everybody in the chat tonight, man. Everybody showed up big time. Adam, Tyler, all you guys, really appreciate you swinging through. Um, Jake Shavink from our It's Always Draft Season podcast. Um, Lee dropping in. You guys, you guys were phenomenal. There's too many to mention. I really appreciate y'all taking the time to hang out with us. But we're gonna wrap it up with this right here. Jake Shavink actually said. Do I get Jackson Smith and Jigba if I pick Jordan Love? Who's your Who's your wide receiver crush? You got one in this draft? Have you Have you followed along at all? And yeah, so actually, that's the only that's the only part of the class I've looked at at all. Is I've tried as much as humanly possible to look at as many wide receivers as I can. Um, so I mean, my my long my dark horse guy because he's Packers, you know, likely are not going to is Tank Dell because that man is like 160. He's like 5'8", 165. That Ooh. dude's small, but my lord in heaven, watching him run after the with the ball in his hands is just just a delight. So like him and Zay know. Flowers are both guys I love, but um I think I've, I've talked about Quentin Johnston quite a bit. Uh, yeah. He's I, I don't I don't know if he's the consensus first wide receiver off the board. He might be two or three at this point. I'm not sure where, where all this has fallen. But I think what he can get, like his floor is really, really high. I think if he develops what he could be, he could be amazing. But I think you drop him in as like 
your backside isolated X. I think his, his footwork off the line is better than a lot of guys out of college. And so his ability to win up the line, which the Packers had a ton of issues with this past year, I think you, you plug him in. I, and JSN, I, I like JSN. Um, I just, I think he's athletically, I feel like he's limited in what he could potentially do, uh, you know, down the line. Uh, I think he's, he's a solid player. I think Johnston could be very, could be good and could turn into a legit superstar. So Johnston's my dude with, uh, Zay Flowers and, and Tank Dell is my these tiny tiny men. I hope I hope will will make the roster. Jordan Addison too. I guess I really like Jordan Addison, but uh, is another another small man that that I'm trying not to get my hopes about. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. You know the one that the one that captured me a little bit. And we'll wrap up right here. Is uh, I, I sound like a Baptist preacher. We've wrapped up eight times now, um, but <laughs> but uh, it's it's Jonathan Mingo from um from oh, yeah, Ole Miss. Yeah. And he's if there's one, and I, I heard Greg Cosell say this the other day, and he was he was raving over him. If there's one in this draft that reminds you of a Debo Samuel, it's 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 that Jonathan Mingo. So go check him out. I believe he's at Ole Miss, if I remember correctly. But yeah, uh, no, yeah, yeah, I like him a lot too. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun, man. We're we're getting into uh, like you said, we're liable to you know get off here. Of course, somebody would have said it in the chat. I imagine if if Rogers made a decision, but... I would hope they wouldn't hang us at a dry like that. They would care about <laughs> us enough to let us know. I think hopefully Clayton. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we'll find out something soon enough. But I, I I really appreciate your time, Dusty. It's been awesome, man. Thank you so much. Like I said, man, been a big fan of you. And uh, I just appreciate everything, the, the work you put in, man. You make me a, a better fan. And um, every time you put something out, man, I'm tuning in for sure. So I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to come on tonight. No, Thanks for listen. everybody in the chat. Really appreciate everybody. We're going to get out of here. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet. And he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career. Christian Watson, you can see him. It's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.